Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Title of this message is Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. And I do believe that. I believe that that every woman is enabled by God with powers, with abilities. And like in that video, you're going to have to learn how to use them, learn how to access that power. So no matter what the devil throws at you, you're always ready to stand up and fight back. Amen. Are there some ladies in the house that are ready to fight back? Come on. In this, uh, this movie, Wonder Woman, the first one, Diana, she has to discover her powers. She has to discover her abilities and her purpose, that she's, she's not sure when she was born what she was made for. She didn't know that she would become Wonder Woman, but uh, through the trials that she faced in her life and through the enemies that stepped up in her way, that actually activated powers in her that she didn't even know that she had. And so that's my prayer and my wish for today is that there would be some ladies in here especially, that God would activate something in you, that you have powers, that you have gifts, that you have abilities, maybe that you don't even realize that you have, but there is a fight coming, and it's already here, that needs you, that we need each and every one of you to stand up, to to accept the call that God has for your life, and to use all of those abilities. In the, uh, the second movie, Wonder Woman, set in 1984, a generation after this one, Diana, Diana actually begins to lose some of her powers as she chases her emotions. And there's a, an opposite character in that movie, Barbara, that initially idolizes Diana. And she begins, to, she begins to gain the powers of Wonder Woman, but it's at the expense of her character. It's at the expense of her identity. And uh, I think every woman does have a bit of Wonder Woman inside of them, but they have to always be true to their identity. That you cannot sacrifice your character idolizing somebody else, idolizing a different gift or a talent. That you have to be true to your character. And watch this. God will unlock something in you that always lines up with the character that he's put inside of you. He's never going to give you a power or an ability that is different from the nature that is inside of you. So, so as, you, as you access, as you think about what these gifts are and, and what your potential is, always go back to who God has created you to be. Always go back to who your identity is, and there's going to be a supernatural power in that. Maybe not, not all of us have the ability to fly or command lightning or have super speed or, or strength like, like Wonder Woman does. But there are some specific powers that I want to focus on today that are maybe kind of the lesser known or or lesser celebrated powers. So some of these woman powers are are not necessarily superhuman, but they are wonderful. And they're available to all women. Some are exclusive to women, and some are just more prevalent in women than they are in men. And this is not an all-inclusive list today. There's, there's so many more, but there's actually three of these powers, abilities that I want to focus on that are defined in, in one book of the Bible. And so the first one that I want to talk about is compassion, the power of compassion. Women 
just have a natural tendency towards compassion. It's built into their their DNA to to love, to nurture, to protect, to to maybe have pity or or show mercy. And I think a lot of times this, this shows up especially when it comes to animals. Like women have this, this innate compassion towards animals. I don't know why it is that it's easier to have compassion towards animals than it is people sometimes. But, uh, but maybe it's because sometimes animals, ladies just see them as helpless. Like that there's, they can't fend for themselves. They can't help themselves. Maybe there's somebody bigger or more stronger, more powerful that's messing with them. And, and ladies just, just want to get involved and, and save them to protect them. Even when a child is hurt, like he, he, he or she always wants to run to mommy. Why is that? Because mothers have this, this innate compassion inside of them. If they go to dad, then dad's just going to say, yeah, toughen up. You'll be fine. Rub some dirt on it. It's okay. You'll get over it. But it's broken arm. It's fine. <laughs> mothers, mothers have this compassion on the inside of them. And maybe it's because they, they have this ability to, to attach themselves to the situation. They can empathize with what this person is going through. Maybe they can, can somehow feel the same feelings that that person is feeling. Maybe they, when they picture themselves in that role, like they think, you know, oh, I, I would be feeling this way and I'd be sad or I'd be hurt or I'd be angry. And somehow they can have compassion for people in those types of situations. Women will go to, to great lengths, to great self-sacrifice, to, to serve somebody else, to love somebody else, especially those who are seemingly unloved. And there's a story in the Bible that I want to share with you today that's uh, found in the book of Ruth. And uh, I'm going to set this up for you a little bit. There's a, there's a famine in the land of Israel at this time. And so Elimelech, he takes his wife, Naomi, and their two sons, Malan and Chilion, and they go to the land of Moab. Now, it's interesting because Elimelech, his name literally means God is king. But in this time, the time of Judges, Israel was actually turning away from the idea that God is king. That, that after the time of Moses and Joshua, where there was a clear, defined leader, a prophet over the nation, in the time of Judges, there was no such single person. That God was supposed to take that position, but Israel was just doing whatever was right in their own eyes. And so they began to, began to go after their own lust, their own wills, and, and God started to die as king in the mind of Israel. So too it happened for Elimelech that he died when they went into this new land. Now he had two sons that, that married into a foreign nation. But it's interesting, the son of God is king, who was of Israel, started a relationship with the world to somehow bridge a gap, to make a way for that world to come in to his kingdom. Sound familiar to anybody? And we're going to pick up here in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. So these two daughters of Naomi, there was an attachment. They had formed this bond. They, they didn't want to leave her. Even though they were going away from, from their homeland, where they had grown up, the people they knew, they wanted to go with her. But in, in verse 14, it says, And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. 
But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Hmm. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And underline this, and your God will be my God. There's no other God that shows compassion like Yahweh. Ruth showed compassion to stay with Naomi, to cling to Naomi. She wanted her people to be her people. She wanted her God to be her God. Other gods and religions, they require devotion, they require prayer, but don't expect a response. That you might pray, that you might you know, believe that that God is merciful, that, that you might have to go through all of these legalistic rituals and requirements, but, but those, those gods are too busy to actually answer. Those gods are too busy to actually show compassion. Maybe, maybe they might say that their God is merciful. Well, mercy is just not getting the punishment that you deserve. But only one God has such compassion that he sent his only son to walk as a man, to feel the way we feel, to go through every trial that, that we face in life, he faced so that he could empathize with us. He had compassion with us in a way that he could live out the life as a human being so that, so that we would know that he's relatable. We would know that there's a way that we can connect with him because he's walked through the same things that we've walked through. Like he feels for us the way that we feel for ourselves. He understands us the way that we think, the way that we imagine. There's no other God that has compassion like that. And it's interesting, this distinction of compassion in this scripture between those that kiss and those that cling. Orpah loved Naomi, but her compassion was only skin deep. Her, her compassion ended with a kiss. But Ruth clung to Naomi. Ruth had a, a deeper sense that she needed to be with her. Is our compassion superficial when it comes to others? Do we just kiss and then walk away? Do we say, God bless you, and then, and then move on? Or do we have a deep, steadfast compassion for the people that God has brought into our worlds? Are we willing to, to take a step away from whatever we're doing? Maybe, maybe even leave behind what's familiar to us, leave behind where we grew up or what we did because God has called us to cling to something. We're not doing it out of, out of self-serving, but we just know that there's, there's an important part of compassion that means that I'm going to stick with you, that I'm not just going to let this moment pass by that I'm going to take and accept the calling of God on my life. Can we be compassionate like Ruth is? And the second power I want to talk about, some people call it a sixth sense, but many people know it as feminine intuition. And I think this actually borders on superpower. There is a, a spirit of wisdom, and in the book of Proverbs, it actually calls wisdom a she, and I think there's a connection there. Certainly there's a prophetic anointing on a lot of ladies in this house and in this church, but even if you look at the world, there's, uh, there's a lot of psychics, a lot of palm readers that are usually women. They're, they're, you know, maybe, maybe on a certain level, a deeper level, there's some, some witchcraft or occult going on. But I think just on a surface, it's, it's probably just adept intuition. Just, just women that are using the gifts that God has put in them, but for the wrong purpose. Like we've got to be able to use the, the gifts for the right purpose, for his purpose. Amen. My Wonder Woman, Pastor Lisa has an incredible intuition, a sixth sense. 
She just has a, a feeling for things before they happen, and she'll usually say something, and it's not even realized until later on what that means. So when, when men get into a debate, when they're discussing something, usually whoever has the best logical reasoning will win the debate, right? Like whoever can come to the most logical conclusion and, and navigate out you know, all of their thoughts and reasoning makes the most sense. But when it comes to debating a woman, especially for a man, especially my Wonder Woman, I found that that doesn't always work. Actually, it rarely works. I'll ask her things like, well, what brought you to that conclusion? Like, why do you think that way? Like, why do you think that this is going to happen? And she's like, I don't know. It just is. I'm like, but that doesn't make sense. There's no, there's no logic tied to that. You know, I can't follow the reasoning. Like, my brain starts to go on the fritz. And she just shrugs her shoulders and is like, I can't explain it, but I know that's the way it's going to be. And so they pull out this trump card in the, the argument and, uh, and they use their feminine intuition. And uh, for example, a couple of months ago, my wife and I were standing in our living room and she looks at the TV and she says, I think that we need a bigger TV. And I turn to her and I say, it's a 65 inch TV. It's plenty big for this living room that we're in. And I thought that that was the end of the discussion. Little did I know that a week later, our youngest son would be watching TV and he would get super excited about a show and then he would take one of his toys and launch it right at the TV and leave a baseball-sized crack right in the middle with dead pixels all the way up, dead pixels all the way to this side. And I'm thinking, did she put him up to this? How did she know? Sometimes she just knows things, and now I've figured out just, just not to ask the why, not to ask the reason, just hope she doesn't think that something's gonna break. But a couple weeks ago, her, it was her birthday, and, uh, and the two things that she wanted for her birthday were a vacuum, like a new handheld little vacuum, and a water softener. And so I'm going to Costco because that's where men go to shop. And I, and I found the vacuum. And as I was walking in, uh, of course, they put all the TVs right up at the front. And I saw this, this TV on sale, so I took a picture of it, and I texted her, what do you really want for your birthday? And she said, the TV will do. So now we're the proud owners of an 86-inch TV because my wife had an intuition. Just a side note, has anybody ever seen the movie Moana? You know when, when Moana is talking to the crab and he has the two eyes and she's like, she doesn't know like which eye to look at? Does anybody feel like that in here? I always feel like that all the time. I'm like, which, which one? And like, just pick one, just pick one. But good news, we have a 40-foot TV in our new building. We won't have to decide which one to look at anymore. One big screen. Maybe that's really what my wife was picking up on. The bigger TV is going to be in our new house in El Cajon in less than a month. Thank you, Jesus. But Ruth also has this sense of intuition. We're going to jump into Ruth chapter 2. She had an intuition that she needed to cling to Naomi, and she also had another intuition that would serve her well. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who's kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather the grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. 
Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has, she has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us you when you gather grain. Don't go into any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. When Ruth clung to Naomi, she said, I want your people to be my people. I want your God to be my God. The compassion that Ruth showed to Naomi and the intuition that she had set up for herself a shelter. That she was able to set up for herself a position under the wings of Yahweh, under the wings of the God of Naomi, under the wings, under the sustenance, under the provision under the, the, the blessing, the favor of our God, that her intuition to work in that particular field on that particular day at that particular time would set her up for redemption. And that's where the men have a part to play in this story, the Redeemer. In Ruth 4, 1 to 6, it says this, Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family Redeemer had mentioned, he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family member, you know Naomi, who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it first so that you can redeem if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, interesting, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land, I can't do it. So this man had the responsibility and the honor, the privilege to redeem Ruth, to redeem this family as well. But there's a catch. You see, when a family redeemer steps into a situation like this, the child of that woman is not his. The child of that woman belongs to the former husband. So that you would actually have to be selfless. You would actually have to to be willing to to take a responsibility that, that you didn't intend to take, but it's the right thing to do. You see, when, when it was just about the land, when it was just about the ability and the provisions and the blessing, he's like, sure, yeah, sign me up. I want that. But as soon as responsibility was attached to it, he's like, no, 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 that's not for me. You go ahead. You do it. We cannot be men that abdicate our responsibility. Abdication of responsibility is really just selfishness. That God has given you an assignment. He's given us as men the mission to be a redeemer. The mission to be somebody who's willing to step up and say yes to the call. There's a mighty man over here, Todd, 
And God was just highlighting you to me this morning that you have the spirit of a redeemer on you. That God has called you to redeem, redeem something that wasn't your, your original assignment. It wasn't your choice. It wasn't, it wasn't something that you picked out for yourself. But he's giving you the opportunity to do, to do something selflessly. But it's not just in a natural sense because there's, there's a blessing attached to it. And as you step up and you redeem, and I think that you've already started the process, but, but and this is really just a, a word of encouragement to you to, to finish the process. Finish the process of redemption. Finish what you started. Finish what God started. That he's going to do a powerful work in you that, that is going to bring about a change in, in not just your life and not just one other person's life, but I just see a whole family is being redeemed through you. Each one of us has an opportunity and will have opportunities in our life to be a redeemer. Will we step up? There's a cost. There's a cost to being a redeemer that you have to pay a price, but the reward far exceeds the price. So husbands right now, if you're sitting next to your wife, I want you to look into her eyes deeply and say, you're right. And ladies, I want you to look into your husband's eyes deeply right now and say, thank you for being my redeemer. There's times where, men, we need to step up and be the hero to redeem the intuitions of our, of our wives or, or the ladies in our lives, maybe our mothers. Now, maybe she just needs your muscle. Maybe she needs your money. Maybe she needs your mind, although that's probably left often, less often. But I had an opportunity to be a redeemer for one of my wife's intuitions, aside from the TV. It kind of happens frequently, actually, now that I think about it. About seven years ago or so, we had, we had one boy, Grady, and uh, we were sitting in a restaurant and we saw this, this car pull into the parking lot right outside the window, and it was an Infiniti QX80. And we saw this, uh, this cute mom and her three sons get out of the car, and Lisa commented, oh, wow, what a, nice, what a nice family. And I really like that car. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and I said, if you give me three boys, then I will buy you that car. So a couple years ago, little Noah Jurgen was born, number three, and I remembered, oh shoot, now I have to make good on my redemption promise. So Lisa is the proud over, owner of a commu- uh, Infinity QX80. The Bible says, don't, don't dedicate things too rashly. Don't make promises too quickly. <laughs> but if you do make a promise, make good on it. Let your yes be yes. Amen. And that leads me to the last power I want to talk about today. The woman power of motherhood. The woman power of motherhood. And this is not just a power that's acquired by having a baby. The gift, the power of motherhood is given by God to every woman at birth. That she has innate in her DNA the wiring to nurture, the wiring to mother, to protect, to guide, to lead, and also to raise and release that we've got we've to have strong women that are, are willing to raise up, train up the right way, and then release and let them go out and conquer the world. 
My mom is a, a beautiful lady, and she's been a fantastic mother, the best mother any guy could ever ask for. And uh, I have three sisters, two older, one younger. Ten, my older sister is 10 years older than me, and my younger sister is 10 years younger than me. So there was like 30 years of, of raising up and releasing her own children, actually 40. But in, in, aside from that, um, she was also a Montessori teacher for years and years and years. So, so every day she would go into her classroom and she would train up, she would nurture, she would raise, she would protect, she would guide these little preschoolers and elementary schoolers. And, uh, and eventually she, she shifted her career and she became a, a professor at her college. And right now she's the uh, department head for early childhood education at Campbellsville University in Kentucky. And one of the things that she does now is in over the last seven years or so is she's been leading teams into nations that are developing new early childhood programs. Nations like Belize in South America. And also she's actually gone to China several times. It's about six years ago, China relaxed their one-child policy. They opened up so that families could have multiple children. And so now, four or five years later, there's all of these young kids that, that need a place to go to school. There's all of these new children. And so my mom would take teams over there and, and uh, teach the teachers how to teach. And uh, in, in Belize especially, she, uh, that, that first crop of, of her kids that she was training up and these, these young women who were going to become teachers, she took them through practical exercises down there and they would take courses online. But just last week, the first seven of them actually came to Campbellsville University in Kentucky to receive their diploma. So they have a bachelor's degree now in early childhood education because of my mom and her team and, and the university, what they've done. And I, I, I texted her, I was like, what a perfect Mother's Day present for you to see these young teachers about to launch out into their career. And she said, yeah, I've always called them my babies. She's always called them her babies. A mother's heart is the ability to see potential in somebody. Your kids, absolutely, but, but not just your kids. That, that women have the ability to nurture. They have the ability, ability to see the potential in others. And it's so funny that the world right now is raging so hard against this innate ability, this innate power of motherhood in women. You see a lot of the, the news articles about the debate over Roe v. Wade and even just the potential that the Supreme Court would overturn this decision, that they would give the unborn a right to life that they would, they would give these, these young mothers the, the opportunity to see, even if the baby is not wanted, they'd give the, the mothers the opportunity to see the potential inside each and every life that God has created. And it's so, it's so scary and sad that so many women in this country and around the world are rebelling so hard against what God has intended to be. And it's interesting, the first thing that happens when they, when they reject and they rebel against this, this simple, basic nature of motherhood is that they lose compassion. That they have no compassion for, for others. They have no compassion for this, this life that is in their womb. They have no compassion for anybody who, who would disagree with them. And the next thing that they lose is their intuition. They, they, they start to, to have these crazy notions and crazy insights that just don't make sense with reality. Somehow they turn off their intuition when they're thinking because they're so blinded by rage. They're so blinded by hate. 
But thank goodness Ruth was not like this because we're going to see the impact of, of her decisions. In Ruth chapter 4, 13, as we come to a close, so Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last, Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Ruth's compassion and intuition set her up for redemption. And her redemption brought about a son who would pave the way for the greatest redeemer the world has ever known. Ruth is listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ because of who she was, her willingness to say yes to God, to cling to him, to have compassion, to follow her intuition, and to accept the excitement of motherhood on her life. As we close now, I want to I pray for some power women today some wonder women. That as a woman, you have gifts, you have abilities, you have the ability to nurture, to protect, to guide, to raise up, to release, to provide for. That you have intuition, that you have compassion. That you have an innate nature of motherhood on the inside of you. And so can we do this now? Can we all stand to our feet as we come to a close? And for all the ladies here today, if you find that that Maybe it's hard to identify with one of these powers that I've been describing. Maybe you find it hard in situations to have compassion for other people. Maybe, maybe some of your biases or, or maybe some things that have been done to you make it difficult to have compassion for others. Then I want to pray for you today. Maybe you have a, a tough time relying on your intuition. Maybe you've made some mistakes and that you're not proud of and, and you're still walking through some of the ramifications of those and, and you don't trust your own intuition anymore. Then I'd love to pray with you because God is a redeemer. His grace is sufficient for all of our mistakes. He's had such compassion for us. He wants us to have compassion for ourselves and compassion for others. Maybe you're here today and 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 the spirit of a motherhood is something that you've been grasping for or, or haven't been able to realize. And maybe even some mothers here today, you're in a position where, where you're struggling with motherhood. You're finding it hard. Maybe it's in that, that early childhood stage of your kids, the toddler age, where it just feels like you're never getting enough sleep. You don't have enough time. The stress and the, the situations that you find yourself in make it hard for you to appreciate being a mother, then I'd love to pray with you. And I'd also like to pray with some ladies here today, maybe that are believing to be a mother in the natural sense. It's very interesting that the very next book, the very next chapter in the Bible after Ruth is 1 Samuel chapter 1. In that chapter is the story of Hannah. Right after we see Ruth who has launched out in compassion and followed her intuition and accepted the role of motherhood, who's paved the way. It's not by accident that the very next story is one of a woman who was barren, but she poured out her soul to God and God heard her prayers 
and answered her call. And she had a son. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, ladies, if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. Any of those areas, would you just lift up your hand? See those hands in the back. Hands here. Hands up the front. Hands right there. God, I thank you. Hands all over. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. If you need compassion, if you need to access new intuition, if you need a, a renewed heart of a mother on the inside of you, if that's you, God bless you. See those hands back there. Thank you so much. Heavenly Father, you see all these hands lift up. Even some of those that didn't lift their hands, God, you know the struggle, you know the wrestle in their heart, the things that they're believing for. God, I thank you that you pour out your spirit onto these ladies today, that they would have a renewed compassion for those that they see that are hurting, that are lost, that are broken, that they would see with your eyes, they would have love with your heart, that this renewed compassion would be connected to the people in their world, God, I thank you that you're highlighting people right now that they need to reach out to, that they need to care for. Maybe they need to carry for a season. God, that they they do not have to be the redeemer for these people or these situations. You are the ultimate redeemer. Your grace is sufficient. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ that we are all saved, that we don't have to be a savior for anybody else. You are the savior. But we can walk alongside people. God, I thank you for the strength and courage necessary for all these ladies to do that. I thank you that these women would rely on their intuition, their innate nature inside of them to see situations, to see circumstances, to have a prophetic vision, a prophetic edge. God, I thank you for pouring out your spirit onto your maidservants right now, that they will will dream dreams, that they will see visions, they will prophesy, they will speak the truth, especially in this dark age, God, that they would not be silent, they would stand up and let their voice be heard, let their power be felt because it's from you. God, I thank you your spirit is flowing through them right now. And for all the mothers here today, God, I thank you for the the assignment that they have accepted, that they said yes to being a mother. They said yes to the call. They said yes to raising and releasing the next generation. God, that that would continue with their own kids and with spiritual sons and daughters. They would have opportunities to bless, to reach out to, to teach, to lift up, to nurture, to care for, to protect. And God, I thank you right now for all those soon-to-be mamas. Just as Jake was was speaking and prophesying earlier today, God, we declare in Jesus' name, open wombs, healthy wombs, healthy babies, that there is conception all the way to natural birth and delivery. God, I thank you for the process. I thank you for the, the whole lives that are in these wombs. God, we stand against the spirit of abortion right now. We stand against anything that would seek to snuff out life. That every life is sacred. Every life is put together, designed by you, unique. That there's no one else like them. God, we thank that you would reveal to the hearts of mothers who are weighing this, this abortion, who are weighing releasing their baby, God, that you would give them an insight. You would give them a vision of that child, what the potential is in each and every one of those babies. We stand strong in agreement that we are one nation under God, that our Supreme Court will lift up the sanctity of life in Jesus' name. We declare that that Roe v. Wade will be overturned in your name, by your grace. And watch this right now. When that happens... What's going to be needed probably more than anything else is mainly women, probably some men as well. They're going, to, they're going to have to have a heart of compassion for these young women that are going to have these babies, even though they don't want to, even though they wish they could have an abortion. 
even though they wish they, that this never happened to them, that the church needs to step up and be compassionate. The church needs to step up and care for those new babies that need to be adopted. The church needs to step up and provide for or orphanages. The church needs to step up and look after with a heart of compassion all of these new souls that are going to have a chance for life. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.